Happy New Year, everyone. Nice to see many of you wearing what you got for Christmas. Uh, I always find that funny when uh, someone gives you clothing or you get to an age where you start to get clothes and you, you, you start to wonder, at least I do, because this Christmas all I got was clothing. And I wonder what they're actually trying to say to me, <laughs> right? Because someone even remarked today, they said, you know, the last time you preached, you wore the same outfit. And I was like, that doesn't matter to me. I, I, I find comfort in these things. That maybe you do as well, in that pair of clothing that you, uh, you're just like, why do you want me to change? This is the Jim Chen shirt, you know? <laughs> like, or this is the insert your name shirt or pants or whatever it is. And the reason is we find comfort in those things. And this morning, as we look at the passage of Isaiah, that's exactly what's going on with the people of Israel. They found comfort. The problem is they found comfort in something other than God. And they're comfortable wearing that. They're comfortable wearing that stuff around. And, and what ends up happening is those actions of what they're meant to be, the people of God, who they're supposed to wear, they're wearing something else, and they're comfortable in that. And God's like, well, if that's the way you want to play it, then watch what happens. And unfortunately, they're led through a vast number of calamities. And that's where we find ourselves in Isaiah. That was my introduction. <laughs> what, I what I wanted to do this morning is just to set that tone for you as we listen to God's word. I wanted to spend some time in prayer this morning. It's the new year. Uh, we could be cheesy if we want. New year, new me. Um, but as we look down for the next 360 days, what are we asking of God? What's God asking of us? You know what I see when I look around? Take a few seconds. Look around. Look around and tell me what you see. Some of you are like, oh, haven't seen you in a while. Cool. I see agents of change. This morning as I was preparing and I was just praying, I was, there's so many distractions. Like, I, I was coming in this morning, I usually like to spend some time in prayer and quiet myself. And as I was doing that, I realized that God had given me enough time yesterday and the day before to prepare and as I was coming here, what, one of the things I felt like he was trying to do was to trying to say, come and look at this congregation and tell me what you see. And I was like, no, 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 God, I need some quiet time. I need to like, he's like, no, 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 come and see. And as I came here and I started to watch people file in and I started to say, yeah, okay, there's people coming in, they regularly come in, whatever, what am I looking for? And then it hit me. You are agents of change. You could change this world. You could change this area. Question is, do we believe that? Do we buy into that? Or perhaps we become like the Israelites, too comfortable in something that isn't what God wanted for us. Would it be amazing if we started off this year saying, okay, God, what is it that you want from me? Could I give you that back and just watch what you do? Could I step in from this place where I was comfortable with whatever I felt like life was meant to be into this place of unknown, scary, absolutely nerve-wracking, but you were there, space, and watch 
me do something incredible. I want to spend some time in prayer this morning and pray for us as a church. Pray for one another. Pray for uh, our families. Pray for this church. Pray for this community. Um, and pray for the things that God wants to do through us. Because I do believe, I do believe that God can and he will do things. He's led us on this journey so far. I mean, when we look back, uh, for, for many of you, if you're paying attention, you look back and you're like, how on earth did we get to this place? And God has showed up in a faithful way. And as he's done so, what sense would it be for us to start looking away and looking elsewhere? He's brought us this far. He will promise, he promises to take us the rest of the way. Question is, are we, are we game? Are we game to take those next steps? So would you join me in prayer? Would you just join me in silencing your heart and, and just asking the question, God, what, what do you want from me this year? What do you want from me? Let's pray. Good, good Father, um, your goodness is so evident to us. Some of us may be hurting, but yet we cannot deny your goodness be, be there. Some of us may be conflicted about where you are in our lives. Some of us may not yet see you in that, but yet you are still good. So God, I pray that in the midst of that suffering, in the midst of that confusion, in the midst of that, even that blindness that we may have, I pray, God, that your faithfulness would continue in ways that when we look back, we would be, we would not mistake the fact that you were there. Father, I pray for these, your, your, your friends, your family, my brothers, my sisters. I pray that in their spirits this year that you would lead them to a deeper friendship, deeper intimacy with you as deep calls out to deep. God, that you would draw them out and bring them to a place where they threaten the kingdom of darkness. I pray that not only that, that they would march boldly forward announcing your kingdom with their words, their actions, their deeds, their thoughts, their very presence. Impress the love of Jesus onto them in such a way that God, that, that they would be ambassadors of yours without even saying anything. Holy Spirit, I pray for protection for their families, for their marriages, for their relationships, for their interactions, for the time that they spend alone, 
for uh, all those different areas of their lives. I pray that God, not only that you would protect them and keep them, but that they would thrive. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would burn within them a new passion for you. Not a new passion for your church to come here and to worship, but God, a new passion for you. And if all those other things follow, then great, God. I pray that all those things, they would, in all those things, that they would seek after you and only you. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would honor that, uh, that, that this prayer. I pray that you would, you would create in us this new hunger, this new thirst for you that maybe we haven't had in a long time. Father, I pray for this church. I pray for her witness to this community and to the world around it. Lord, it was you who developed, built, and have sustained us. And so we trust in you to move us forward. We stand attentive, listening to you, Holy Spirit, for where you're leading us. I pray, God, that as we do, that you would take distractions away from us and that you would give us a laser-like focusness on what it is that you want us to do. As a result of those things, we pray, Lord, as Jesus is lifted up, that you would draw men, women, children, and everybody to you, Lord Jesus. Father, we pray for this community. In this new year, we, we recognize the hustle and the bustle and sometimes the stress of starting something new and starting something over. But God, we pray for this community that somewhere deep inside that whatever hunger, whatever thirst they have for life and, and finding true life in and of itself, God, that they would find it in you. We pray for them. We pray for those homes. We pray for those relationships. We pray for those dynamics. We pray for the schools around us. We pray for uh, the, the police officers, the firemen, the, the paramedics. We pray for all those who serve this community. As we pray for those people, God, we ask that as they do their thing, in the midst of it, you would be there. Father God, that as we do these things, as we continually pray for this community, Father, that we would be ready and attentive for who you bring across our path. And may they not just hear about Jesus with our words, but they may see him through our actions and through your spirit. We praise you. And God, as we hear from your word this morning, I pray that you keep this word fertile in our hearts. Guard my lips from distractions and exaggerations. And God, I give you this. And we pray in Jesus' most amazing, powerful name. Amen. So if you got your Bibles with you, uh, open up to Isaiah 55. I realized how ironic it was that you were supposed to listen to the passage of Scripture and it kind of got mixed up with all the sound stuff. But uh, we're going to read it anyways. Um, so Isaiah chapter 55 I've got the NIV that I'm reading here. Uh, before we get into the uh, passage, um, there's a little bit of background as I was starting off this morning to say, so Israel, uh, as you know, it's sort of like that, that really, really terrible child uh, that, that you have. I'm, I'm sure none of you have any of those. Um, and it's like, you know, God, as a loving parent, 
for Israel is like, here you go. These are the things that I want you to do. You're supposed to be a light to the nations. And I'm going to work through you to be that light. I'm going to change the world through you, right? And we've heard this all, we've heard this over and over again, right? And what does Israel do? They're like, all right, cool, I'm up for the game. And then anyways, like two minutes later, they're looking elsewhere. They're doing a whole bunch of other things. Well, Israel has succeeded in a lot of things. After King Solomon was king, Israel is in this really prosperous time in their history. And when Solomon dies, there's a period where Israel starts to move away from God. They start to like look at idols. They start to uh, rely on idols and they start to worship idols. And that's that's the part that I said that when instead of putting on God, they almost took off God and they started to take on other things. And, and, and God was saying, okay, well, if that's how you want to play it, if that's what you want to do, I'm going to show you the results of what you're choosing. And so he brings about the Babylonian exile or Babylonian captivity, right? The big, bad Babylonians then come in and they sort of take them over um, and they basically kill off all their leaders. And instead of killing them off, they capture them and they take them into exile. Here's why, here's for all you Bible geeks, here's why exile was a much more advantageous thing for you if you were capturing someone. You lived in a a, a sort of an area, and you were always under threat from the enemy. And you had these city walls, and what you would do is everybody that you captured, you would put outside the walls. And the cool thing is, you would allow them to uh, interact with you, right, financially, relationally, all those kinds of things. But they would be outside your walls. And the advantage is this. If your enemy was coming from afar to attack you, all you had to do was shut the gates and the first people to get slaughtered are those people who were captured. And it would give you more time to defeat the enemy because they would have wasted all their resources fighting these people that we don't really care about because we captured them. Now, these people are not going to sit there and just sort of take it. They're going to fight back. So if you were, you were an army of 100,000 coming to fight the Babylonians, who probably already had 100,000 people as well, guess what? You were probably going to lose about 10 to 20,000 of your army first by, by killing off those you've brought in exile. You kind of get the picture. And all you did was shut the gates, wait for them to kill each other off, and then you fight and you've got an advantage. That's the idea. Guess what? For the people of Israel who have lived in this idea in this time of saying, you know what, God's got our back. God's doing all these things. All of a sudden, you don't look too hot. Guess what? Your raw meat getting ready to just be defeated. You're about to see your entire culture, your world, your everything destroyed. And so Isaiah is broken up into three sections. The first section is this section where God is coming at them and saying, here's the thing, you wanted this, you got it. You want to leave me, here's the result of it. And there's a lot of judgment. He's saying, this is what's going to happen. And Isaiah is prophesying, he's saying, this is going to come. These things are coming, you better prepare yourself. But in the midst of all that judgment, there's hope. In Isaiah, if you read through Isaiah, God's not just angry and saying, all these bad things are going to happen to you. He goes, one day I'll fix everything. And guess what? Out of that little thing that, that's remaining, I'm going to make everything right again. And again, because we have the entire biblical text, we know he's talking about Jesus. But the Israelites don't know that yet. So they're like going through this period where in that first section of Isaiah, they're just like, man, what's going on? I thought God was promising us all these things. Meanwhile, they, they're not realizing the fact that they kind of left God, right? They left the protection of God. They left all these things of God. 
And Isaiah 55 comes, it's actually the last chapter of the second section where God is now said, here's the thing. Remember that hope stuff I was telling you about in the midst of all this judgment? I want to give you that hope. I want to show you what this hope looks like. I'm going to forgive you. This was a lesson that you needed to learn. And now here's what I want from you. Are you paying attention? So if you ever have a chance to, I would encourage you to read Isaiah chapter 54. Because Isaiah chapter 54 is talking about God's forgiveness of his people. He's saying to his people, yes, you used to call me your God and then you forsook me. I forgive you for that. I forgive you for that. Isaiah 55 is what that forgiveness looks like. Isaiah 54 was saying, yeah, okay, guess what? I will forgive you. I want you back as a people. I don't care if you're reduced to like 10,000 people. I will still make my promises true with you. I forgive you. And Isaiah 55 says, here's how it's going to happen. And that's where we find ourselves in this passage. We find ourselves in Isaiah 55. And I wish we had a ton of time for this because there's so much rich imagery. Like I, I, like I said, I, I say this all the time and it's going to sound cliche. Like how do you capture the ocean in a teacup type of thing? This is what Isaiah 55 is like. God's showing, it's like, this is how lavish my love is? And we got to do it in like the next 15 minutes. So uh, if you have with you Isaiah 55, let's read together. I'm going to read from verse 1 to, uh, to 5. Or actually, just one to three for now. Come, all who are thirsty, all you who are thirsty, come to the waters. And you who have no money, he's talking to university students there, um, come, buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Why spend money on what is not bread and your labor on what does not satisfy? Listen, Listen to me. That's, that's huge. If you're like an underlying person, circle that. They don't repeat stuff for no reason. Okay, it's not a typo. It's hugely important. Listen. Listen to me and eat what is good and your soul will delight in the richest of fare. Give ear and come to me. Hear me that your soul may live. I will make an everlasting covenant with you. My faithful love promised to David. So what Isaiah is doing here is... He's, he's sort of like, there's, there's a lot of conflict as to who's actually saying this, right? So for, for, this, for the sake of this argument, let's just say that God is saying this through Isaiah. So these are God's actual words. It's not a prophecy. It's, it's like God saying this straight to you. That's what they would be taking this as. And because these people are outside the city and they barter and they market and they buy stuff from inside the city, they're allowed to go in and out of the city and stuff like that. The image that you get here is of someone who's in the marketplace saying, come, look at what I've got. Like you're going to go shopping, you're going to go buying some of these things, come and shop. So they would be very familiar with these, this, this kind of imagery. Except the weird thing is, what he's saying is he's saying, are you thirsty? Are you hungry? And what he means by that in the thirst is that he's saying directly to them, look, you thought you wanted all these things by going your own way. You thought you wanted all these things by making your own plans. You even adopted your idols and everything like that and you, you moved away from me, right? And now look at where you are. Do you have this sense that something is not right? 
you have this sense that something's not complete. I don't know about you, do you does anybody ever have that in their life? Whether it be a relationship, whether it be something personally. As I was praying about this, I was asking God, I was like, okay, so what is it about our congregation? And there are several things, and I hope you don't mind if I bring these up, but these are, some of these things affect me as well. The one thing was about marriage. Do, do, do we find that in our marriage relationships that maybe something's not right? Is something missing? Is something not going right? If we could say amen to that out loud and not embarrass people or whatever, you know what, Th guess what? There's what Isaiah would say is a thirst, is a hunger. Something's not right. Do you desire, do you wish to reach your neighbors and your friends for Jesus? And if you think that, man, something's not right in the way they're living, not that you want to tell them how to live, but that I could introduce them to Jesus, but there's just no opportunity, there's just absolutely no possibility for that. Guess what? That's that hunger. It's just not right. What about stuff when we're alone? We look at things on the internet. We do things by ourselves on the internet. There are things that we, we, we afterwards, after we've done those, we regret. We realize, man, this stuff is not right. It doesn't feel right. I'm better than this. God made me better than this. That's what that thirst, that hunger is. That hunger and that thirst for rightness. And what Isaiah is starting off is he's saying, are you thirsty for rightness? Are you hungering for something to be put right? Because if you are, come to the waters. There's a deep, deep pool of fulfillment here in God. God's starting off. Remember, he's saying, this is what forgiveness looks like. This is what you left me for. Here's this pool. I can fix your marriage. I can reach your friends, your neighbors. I can remove those desires and give you new ones. Do you thirst for that? Now, there's a whole plethora of other things that I didn't mention. That doesn't mean you're exempt. Fill in the blanks with whatever you want. Whether it be finances, whether it be mental health, whether it be, uh, I, again, like I can't think of anything and I'd rather not put my foot in my mouth right now. But fill in the blanks. What is it in life right now that doesn't feel right? It just doesn't. And instead of actually trying to figure out that God is the one that fills it, we run away from it and we continue on and on and on with it. God's saying to his people here, and I believe he's saying to us today as well, do you hunger and thirst, all of you who are in that space? Do you want something to be made right? Come to me. Here's the pool. Come to me. That's what he's saying. And then this is the most paradoxical or like weird thing, right? He says, come and you who have no money. And the image there is what he's saying there is he's like, look, you've tried hard, so hard to try to fix these things by yourself. And now you have no resource that will actually get you what you need. You ever try that? 
I, I, I'm going to be absolutely honest with you. I was really questioning this, and I, I, I say this because um, I want to be transparent with you, and, and I want to say this, but in my marriage, nothing's, it, it's not been going well. And I'll tell you, uh, really honestly here, I tried so hard on my own to fix things. <laughs> the guys are like, yeah, the women are like, mm, you know. Thank you. Thank you. And God was reminding me in this passage way back in November when it started to come was that, do you trust me with it? Do you trust me with it? You run out of resources, right? You have no money. And God's like, okay, I've let you go and expend your energy and your money and your stuff trying to fix whatever you want. Are you ready to come to me? I'm like, no, 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 God, I still have a little bit left. I can fix it. Just don't worry. And now I'm at the point where like, God, I can't. I can't. Whatever it is that is lacking or missing in our lives, this is not prosperity preaching. I'm not saying that you guys are all going to go become millionaires at the end. Of, I'm not saying that everyone's going to have a new Toyota in the parking lot by the end of this sermon. No, Toyotas are great cars, by the way. Um, <laughs> what I am saying is this, that it is foolishness for us to continue using our resources to do something for which we have an infinite, absolute, amazing resource in God to do something amazingly bigger than we have planned. So the question is, how much are we going to keep running and running and using our resources to do whatever it is that we feel there's a hunger and a thirst for? And he invites us and he says, come, you who have no money, buy wine and milk. Come buy and eat. Like, to me, that sort of sounds a little bit like shoplifting, isn't it? It's like, you don't have any money, let's just go buy and eat kind of thing. But he's saying, no, 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 everything I have here, all these good things, the things that really speak to the person of who you are, all these things that you need and you want are here in me. Maybe you want the wrong things. Well, guess what? I can give you the right wants. Maybe you struggle with a whole bunch of things and you're thinking that somewhere along the lines I'm going to get fixed by doing A, B, and C. But really the thing is coming to God and saying, God, I don't know what to do. You just said come, so here I am. And maybe God wakes you up one day and says, you know what? Your desires were wrong in the first place. So here, here's a new set of desires. And you're like, wow, never saw this before. That's what he's saying here. He's correcting the people of Israel because they went their own way. Isaiah is also famous for that line. He says, each one like sheep have gone astray, each one unto their own way. He's trying to correct that and saying, people, you will find yourself truly when you find yourself in me and only me. Stop looking elsewhere. So the command to eat is this invitation from God to transform all realms of life. Question is, do we believe that? I do. Now you're saying, I'm, you're a pastor, you have to believe that. No, I'll tell you something. It, honestly, th there was a time when I didn't. 
There was a time when I used to think, oh yeah, you know, God just deals with the spiritual realms of things, right? No. You don't understand how badly God wants you. You don't understand how badly God wants all of you. I'm not talking about you collectively. I'm talking about you, all of you. Mind, spirit, body, emotion, private, public thoughts, all these things, all those things. God wants you. And the command to come and eat, to buy, all these things is God saying, you know what, I'm not a one-trick pony. I have everything that you need. Everything. Everything. So, what does it mean here? He says, listen. Listen to me. This is a really tricky thing because in the Jewish text, the word listen is the word shema. We've learned this because of the words in Deuteronomy. Now, Shema is a really interesting word because Shema doesn't just mean listen. There's actually no word for obey in the Hebrew text. Do you know that? It's the word Shema. Because to listen is to obey. You're listening to what we're saying here, and hopefully... This is what God is actually saying. I, I trust that it is what God is saying. The question is, will you shema it? It's a good hashtag. Will you listen and will you obey? It's a really weird concept to actually say to listen and not obey. There's actually another word. I couldn't remember what it was, but it's, it's actually not what it is. It's, it's the idea of listening is that you will hear what he's saying and in doing so, you're so caught up in what, he, what he's saying that you will come and do it. And that's why he says, listen to me. Eat what is good and your soul will delight in the richest affair. Give ear and come to me. Hear me that your soul may live. And what he's saying is, look, the words that I'm saying are not just to like puff you up and make you feel good. And then when you get there, it's sort of a big sham. He's like, no. These words that I'm giving to you, my commands, my call back to you, these are the same words that created creation. My word, my spirit, my breath, Isaiah is so rich with all this language. These words that I'm giving you have the power to recreate everything that you think you can gain with someone else, but still find lacking. Will you come and obey me? Will you come and listen? And by doing so, have the power of God, have the spirit of God recreate things in our lives that we never knew, never imagined. Perhaps God even births within us a new vision for what life ought to be. Can you imagine if 2018 was a, a year of new vision for you and for me individually and corporately? Can you imagine if God said, all right, this is the year that we are going to change your life and we're going to change the lives of people around you. Can you imagine that? And I'm not just saying this because it's something hype to say at the start of 2018. I really do believe that. I'm praying for that. 
It's funny, I was praying about these things and I, I attended a meeting this, this past week where the, the person who was leading this meeting started off with that. And I'm like, oh my God, like in a good way. God, what? Like this is, like this is, okay, I get it. I get it. Hope that didn't offend anybody. Can you imagine if we gave ear to God's command this year? And as I start to pray about this, I'm going to end with this. What's the practical side of this? Right, like I've heard, I've heard from many of you. Uh, I've asked you about preaching here and stuff like that. And one of the things I get back is like, hey, just hit a little bit more on the practical side of things. Okay, so here it is. Trust and surrender. Trust and surrender. New vision starts with surrender. Hearing this? See, the people of Israel are hearing this stuff, right? God's not forcing them to come. He's saying, I don't know what else you want me to do. I, I'm, I, I'm saying to you, I forgive you. I'm going to tell you. I'm going to display just absolutely how amazing forgiveness looks. I'm going to display exactly what I can do for you and through you. The question is, do you trust me? Do you trust me to change who you are? Do you trust me to change your marriage? Do you trust me to change your neighbors? Do you trust me to change this community? Do you trust me to change who you are on the inside? Because if you do, I need you to surrender. Stop going your way. Stop trying to spend all your money on stuff that doesn't work. Stop trying to spend your resources and your time thinking that year after year of doing nothing about it, it'll change. Guess what? If you're like me in that sense, you've let many years go by. You want the practical side of the sermon? Come, all you who are thirsty, come to the waters. You who have no money, come, buy, and eat. Find fulfillment, all those things. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Why is it without money and cost? Because he paid for it with that. He paid for it with that. Listen, listen to me and eat what is good in your soul will delight in the richest of fare. I want to ask you this morning, as we wrap up, are you willing to take that risk to trust in God and surrender your way? I want to pray for us in a few moments, and I'm going to ask the worship team to come back up. Um, and I want to ask you, if you might this year step out and risk that. If you'd risk going your way and saying, you know what, I've had enough. This is sickening how much it's not working. It's sickening how much I'm losing. And again, insert the issue. What is it that doesn't feel right? Maybe you're sitting here and you've been sitting here for a very, very long time and you just have never actually made that decision to even follow after Jesus. You're like, I listen to the songs. You guys are nice people. You won't steal my stuff. You're amazing people. But I've never really made that decision. And I'm trying to live my life, a good life, to do all the things my own way. 
And here, Jesus is calling and saying, okay, you've tried your own way. Will you come to mine? Maybe you've been in that situation where, like me, certain key relationships in your life are disintegrating. And you're trying, you're trying so hard, you have good intentions, but my goodness, is it going the wrong way? Maybe it's time to trust Jesus. Come, all who are thirsty, all who want things made right. Could we start off 2018 saying, yeah, I've been trying to live life and do all these things on my own, and nothing seems to be working. Would you come? Would you come and would you trust? Would you surrender your ways? Would you put down the effort and say, God, I, I want to be made new in this area? I want to just ask you to pray with me. And I want to give you an opportunity to respond in that way. The, the, the practical side is that we start with surrender and saying, okay, God, I, I don't know what else. I'm just, I'm going to stop trusting my ways that I've been going, and I want to give it up to you. It doesn't matter if you're 8, 18, or 80. This passage is for all of us. What is it that we've been trying to do on our own that God's like, okay, I'll wait till you're done. But when you're done, I've got this. Are you ready to be agents of change? Because if you are, guess what? That vision starts with surrender. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, we acknowledge your presence. We acknowledge that you are the God who changes us with your breath, with your words. You spoke creation into existence. And is that same word, those same, that same voice that speaks into us. Father, reach into our hearts right now. If there's, there are hungers and thirsts in our lives, whether it be a thirst for finding a meaning in for life or whether it be a thirst for a good relationship or thirst for whatever it is in our lives, God, I pray that you would reach in. And Holy Spirit, I pray that you would start to shake us, make us uncomfortable. God, but give us the reassurance that you have, and just like Isaiah, to, that, that you're a God who's saying, come and eat, come by. You don't have resources. That's cool. I got this. I want to invite you right now as you're, if, as you're praying, as you've got your head bowed down, if there are things that you want, God, you're asking that I'm done trying to do my own stuff. Would you, in your place, stand? Would you stand and let us pray with you? Let us pray for those things. I get that. It's difficult. It's not easy. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. It's not easy. It's not one of those things that we do often, and I get that. But I think that if we're going to make some kind of a difference in this world, we got to start with surrendering. we got to start saying, God, take this back. This is yours to begin with. Why did I run away from it? Why?
Father, I, I come before you knowing just how absolutely powerful you are and uh, knowing that you are the one for whom with your words you speak life you draw us into relationship with you and I come before you right now on my knees asking that you would continue to draw people to you Father I know that your patience is good I know God that you'll, you'll wait longer than we will and so God for those who are still saying no I'm good I can keep going I pray God that you would continue to keep drawing them God imprint Isaiah 55 on them let them know that when they're ready that's what they have awaiting them and father for these men women youth who are standing I pray God that you would give them a desire that you would change the very things that they're submitting and surrendering to you, God. Because we're, we're acknowledging that Isaiah, what you've said in your word is true. And we're acknowledging the fact that you've said that if we come to you, this is what you give to us. And so we ask for life. And we ask for life abundance. And we ask that from this point on, that the work that we may not even see, that you would start to change in us in such a way, God, that the people around us, the people surrounding, the things that we're asking for would start to recognize change. Holy Spirit, I pray that you fill us, fill us all in such a way that we would just be shook. That we would know how and when and where you're working. We praise you for your work. And God, we want to praise you now for the goodness that is found in Jesus and the power of your Holy Spirit. I pray all these things. Amen.